0: Listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings
1: podcast. I think we've said before on the show that all the Kings needed this upcoming season was some tweaks, maybe a couple of small trades, one or two free agent signings. Well, Rob Blake laughs at our plans because everything's gone upside down a little bit here, Vardy. How are you tonight, my friend?
0: Uh, still. Coping a little bit, I guess. Copium, Ad, the kids adjust, Adjusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how much of where I'm feeling right now is like you said, because we had talked about minor tweaks, little adjustments here and there. Obviously, uh, some moves that we knew were coming, like the jersey trade that we're going to open up roster spots for guys that probably should have been in the NHL already this last season, and maybe some cap space freeing moves like the Ayafalo move that we'd been talking in like two years now is gonna happen, right? I don't know if I ever in any scenario thought that Gabe Vellardi would be on the move. I really, really didn't. Not this season. We talked about it multiple times, two, three seasons ago, that we weren't really sure where he was going to project out that his stock was on the decline. And this last season, we felt quite fortunate that they hadn't moved him, that he hadn't been part of some major deal for a, say Jack Eichel when that potential, you know, trade ship was out there and how we were, man, we dodged a bullet, man, Imagine if we had moved this guy and and he had a season like this for someone else. So I stupidly (laughs) believed that we were going to have another Adrian Kempe situation on our hands where same thing, right? Like 2019, 2020, we're throwing Adrian Kempe in every trade scenario you can think of. Man, where would this team be now without Adrian Kempe? So that's, that's kind of why, and that's not to say that They got a bad player back for Gabe Velarde, but I'm just saying singularly as a player, I just didn't think that after going through that development curve, having him become the player he was this last season, that the Kings would make any kind of move with him beyond signing him to a contract. How do you feel about all this? Well, that's a good prologue. Thank you. Um, Thank uh, you.
1: I, I was planning on starting with the Jersey trade.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you know, you can you can get into that, you sure. Can,
1: but I guess it doesn't now that I think about it, the Jersey trade is the Pierre Luc Dubois trade. It, it's one in the same.
0: It, it is it is the prologue to the prologue.
1: <laughs> hey, there it is. So so I I guess I mean, what are we gonna say about it? I think when the Jersey trade went down, my first thought was I really thought he would be pack, packaged in something bigger. Uh, to fill a hole. That was my first mm-hmm. feeling. I was like, they got a second. Did I think he was worth more, or that he had played well enough to up his value past a second round pick? Maybe, but you look at where the pick was coming from, Montreal. You figure they're not going to be a playoff team next year, so you have a, you know, a good look at that being somewhere between thirty-two and forty, or thirty-three and forty. I figured somewhere there, maybe. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Now on to the the main course, so to speak. We're going to go right into it. That was your appetizer. Hope you hope you have room for more. <laughs> I have been really focusing on why initially I was so upset with the trade, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And obviously, other than the emotional connection, you know, we're on the show. We've been day one, Gabe Velarde truthers supporters whatever you want to call it i think that's what jesse us. yeah but but, you know we're you know we're we're one of according to him fourth biggest fans yeah if there was a draft for gabe filardi fans apparently we'd go third overall which is not bad um so i've been really focusing on why am i so upset and i think i've i've arrived at this i feel that the kings here have traded Velardy's potential, what he can do and his potential, plus Ayafalo, plus Kupari, plus derzy for what Pierre-Luc Dubois could be and not what Pierre-Luc Dubois is right now. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to stomach that trade, to give away potential for someone who himself is maybe not a finished product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 what it is. I think if you're going to give that package and you bring in someone else, I don't, I'm not even going to name a player, but someone who is in our eyes and people's eyes, a true finished product. I think that's a little bit different. There's a lot of, a lot of comparisons on Twitter that this is like the Mike Richards trade that Dean Lombardi pulled off. This is similar to the Fiala trade. From last season. I've heard those comparisons. The difference is those two guys were finished products. Those two guys that eclipsed 80 points at one point or another before they arrived uh, in Los Angeles. So that's not to say Pierre Luc Dubois can't get better. I know, you know, last episode we were a little hard on him saying, like, can he learn these things that we consider deficiencies? The truth is he just turned 25, so it would be crazy for us to say, no, he can't at all. But I guess I would feel better about this trade if the player coming in was truly, truly in his prime. Now, some people might hear that and say, well, that means he's older. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. But if we're talking about taking advantage of a window, a Kopitar and Dowdy window, a finished product, someone who has reached all the potential that he has would probably be an easier sell for me when it comes to the package of the Kings gave up. And that's, that's what I've arrived at really, because and we'll talk about, I think we're in, you know, I said this on Twitter, like this is like a turn the page episode for me personally. It's just like, yeah, you know, I was upset, but I think I'm just going to let it all out here in the first half of this show. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I'm really going to talk about what, how the Kings are set up in a in a positive way because there's a lot of positives here. There are like I'm not we're not crazy like come on, so that's where I'm at. So a couple of things like I'm concerned about right out of the gate. Okay, I feel like the Kings have to change the way they play now. I think you, I look at this offense and it's like this is a lot of firepower, like a lot of firepower. Mm-hmm. You gave you pushed out in I Ayafalo. And Kupari, three defensively responsible forwards. Now, you might argue Kupari, but guess what? Kupari is killing penalties. Mm-hmm. Gabe Villardi wasn't killing penalties, but his defensive metrics were very good. Mm-hmm. Alex Ayofalo is a two-way winger, has been since he was brought on uh, to the Kings. So, I feel like the Kings have to make adjustments in, in their structure and the way they play the game. They have to be more aggressive. Now, I, I don't think it's a question anymore. The one-three-one can no longer be your default. I think this team, the way it's built right now, is a hard forechecking team. And it remains to be seen if they're going to play that way. So one is you got to change the way you play. I mentioned the PK. You lost follow Kupari, two penalty killers. Pierre-Luc Dubois has not killed penalties. It's probably going to take him time if he wants to add that to his to his game. So that's my second concern. Third concern, we have 11 left-handed shots on mm-hmm. offense. Eleven out of twelve forwards shoot left. Only one shoots right, and that's Victor Arvidsson. And I'm inc- incredibly concerned that they have to move Victor Arvidsson now to create space because they're they have nothing. They have nothing left because you can't just look at their cap space and say you have this much to sign. This no, there's minimum contracts like that's going to get eaten up right away. Mm-hmm. So there probably is another move. It seems like this deal and this roster in general will be better set up in 24, 25 with the cap going up uh, a little bit more with Kopitar taking a lesser deal, so on and so forth. It seems like on paper that what the Kings have done sets them up better for 24, 25 than it does for 23,
0: 24. I, I, I've had a little time to digest it and I've, I'm still not okay with it, but I'm really curious what the finished product of this offseason is going to be.
1: That too. I think that's a great point because you it's hard to judge this trade without seeing the roster on opening night. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you mentioned, it's pretty clear that more is coming. If for no other reason than, look, you've got... You've got four veteran defensemen under contract. Even if you decide that you're going to bring up Spence and Clark and have them be your bottom pairing. Actually, even if you decide that you're going to bring up Spence, Clark, and Bjornfoot, because now Bjornfoot is waiver eligible. Sammy Fagamo is waiver eligible. So my guess is that the Kings will probably try to keep those guys on the roster, and they certainly have opened up room now for both of those guys and all four of those players spence clark bjornfoot fagimo they come in on rookie deals about the cheapest additions you could make with a particular level of talent so you're not only moving out i mean if you look at what the last two weeks have brought on Okay, Alex Edler, he was going to be gone anyway, so he's gone. Walker likely was going to be gone, and he's gone. Jersey, likely was going to be gone, and he's gone. Ayafalo, Kupari, Gabe Velardi, You've moved out six players, six more or less full-time players from last season now, and we're talking about bringing in four you know, rookie-ish players. Granted, Spence and Bjornfoot had a, a fair amount of NHL experience before last season, so, you know, I'm sure they're going to lean on that quite a bit, but you still need a goaltender. You You've changed the architecture of this team considerably in the last two weeks. Furthermore, now you've full-blown committed to the idea that Quinton Byfield is going to be a winger. I mean, Rob Blake said as much in the media availability that like, yeah, we're, we're going to probably stick him back there on the first line. That's that's big news in my mind. I thought that was kind of a one-season thing because they had so many forwards, but they wanted him to get in NHL games and get comfortable. But now you bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois, Likely slide the no down to your third line, so to speak. You're committing to a full season of Quinton Byfield, first line winger. I I I can't imagine you're going to go back on that suddenly and be like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna go back to this idea that you're going to be our number one center after two years of playing wing. You know, that to me is a, a big deal. Um. So with that in mind, with the potential that Arvidsson can still be traded, which he likely will be, because you still need some money here to bring in some, some players, you're talking about a huge change, a huge amount of offense, defense, locker room presence, left hand, right hand shots. I mean, these are, these are significant changes. We talked all last season about how difficult it was because you didn't have three left shot D and three right shot D and how that complicated things and Jersey had to play on his offhand. How much more complicated is that when you have no forward to a right hand shots amongst your top six? I mean, that's, that's crazy. So it's, it's really hard for me to be like excited about the trade or excited or give any kind of prediction as to what the next season is going to bring when there's this much that has changed, when there's this much that's still uncertain. And I think that's part of why I'm still upset about the trade, or maybe I was upset about the trade, is because I didn't feel like this level of change was necessary. I can understand them feeling like, hey, man, we just went two years in a row against the Oilers. You know, we... We took them to seven the first time, went to six the second time. Maybe didn't look as good. You know, they handed us our lunch. We got to do something different. Otherwise, it's just going to happen again. And then the other team we got to worry about in a division just won the cup. And their roster is pretty much the same. You know, minus Riley Smith, who they shipped off earlier today. So I can understand that aspect of things. I can understand the need from management to be like, to be stagnant, just to fail. But I I don't consider them being stagnant. I consider allowing your players to develop, making some of those moves, like moving Jersey, bringing in Clark, bringing in Spence, maybe bringing in Bjornfoot as minor moves that can change this team. You know, giving them a solid season of goaltending. I think those are the moves that needed to happen for this team to be able to run it back And have another shot against the oilers or vegas or whoever they matched up against in the first round but now you've you've completely changed it the idea of a rebuild in the traditional sense of drafting and letting your guys develop i mean that's that's completely out the window and it's left me a little bit confused as to what the plan here is beyond full bore until kopitar and dowdy retire that's it
1: i think that's the plan
0: It's not a great plan. I don't like that plan.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Listen, I think. And we've talked about this in the last couple of years is like, what is the identity of the team? And that kind of ties into what's the plan with this team? And I think for the first time I have, I seem to feel like there's a clear picture of what the plan was, at least in theory. This to me suggests it was rebuild on the fly, stock up on prospects and futures and then flip most of them for good players that are either in their prime or nearing their prime and take and go on runs or at least try to give it your best shot um and I, i'm sure some of that is a you know a result of missing on some of these draft picks you know turcott auto juries out i guess but like you got to consider that at this point kind of a definitely. miss definitely
0: absolutely yeah
1: the fact that both Villardi and byfield did not become top 2 centers I, with Byfield, that's not fair to say because, you know, he's still so young, but he's not going to be playing center. Well, he's they're likely like not going to be playing giving center. Up, right. yeah. When he does even reach his potential, he's probably going to reach it at wing. So to me, like, maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe this is what they were trying to do because what's left? Clark's left. That's great. Kaliev's left. Byfield's left. I think that's... That pretty much sums up your blue-chip, quote-unquote, prospects at this point. Yeah. Um, Velarde seems like he was a hit, and I think that's another part of, that surprised me is, like, you got all these question marks, and not saying Velarde, you know, didn't have question marks, but of all those guys, the, he's the one that emerges from all your draft picks to be like, okay, I, there's a good chance we hit on this guy here. Mm-hmm he's the first like he's the one that goes it's just it it's shocking I you know it it really is shocking I it makes me wonder about his contract talks it really does we don't know like we're assuming like it shouldn't have been that difficult to to tie up a player who's under team control like that for even a short time right in theory he still has four more years I think of team control
0: mm-hmm
1: it's been mentioned that the Kings didn't even talk to him. Gabe himself in his introductory interview on or his Zoom call said like the Kings didn't really offer me much. I'm just like it just none of it is making sense in my head. Right. It's like these theories, these Twitter theories are all bullshit. Like, I don't believe anything essentially, but when it comes from the horse's mouth and, he, and a couple of people who are legit reporters say Man, it just was. This the plan all along. Was this the you know did they have their eye on PLD for a I don't know a year or two, and as soon as they heard that he he wasn't going to resign, did their mind immediately shift to okay, well we're probably going to have to trade Velarde for this guy.
0: Right. I mean, again, you don't want to get into this idea of tampering or whatever, but it's no secret that Pierre Luc Dubois' agent Pat Person is good friends with Luc Robitaille and Rob Blake. I can't imagine over, over a dinner here and there, the idea that maybe he's not that interested in staying in Winnipeg, sure. didn't come up, and that's he not really has a to secret. Come up, I no, think, it didn't yeah, have to. Yeah, it didn't. I, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say that because that idea that he was not interested in staying in Winnipeg was out there, had yes. been out there for a while. But the fact that he might be okay with coming to L.A. Yes, yes, that's 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 different, yes. and. I just, I agree with you. I think for them not to have even had that conversation with Villardi, to have never even kind of broached that topic reeks to me of some subtext that we'll never know Yes, whether it's a relationship in the background that somewhere broke apart between the team and Velarde, whether the team themselves had an eye on, Pld or someone else even and we are gradually getting more comfortable with the idea that velardi was going to be you know the major trade chip for that it, it feels like something like that was going on in the background i will never know um and i wish i did know because that would make me maybe feel a little more yeah absolutely comfortable or understand absolutely. it more and be like if they came out and they said look we we had some brief conversations with them and he wanted seven years for five million or something and we just weren't comfortable committing to that much to him i would be like okay maybe sure but to to be like now we never even really talked about it makes me feel like they were just they had been ready and had a full-blown discussion about this sometime prior to this availability that they were they were going to be okay with exploring some options with moving Velarde in the offseason. It's just, it's a lot, man. I think it's a lot. I, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of like a time in the Kings history where this much turnover has happened in such a short period of time after a successful season. After two successful seasons, one of the most successful regular seasons in the history of the team I can't think of another time where there has been this much turnover. You you brought up the Richards trade and yes, you know, Wayne Simmons, who was clearly on the rise at that time, fan favorite player, Braden Shen, top five pick, a lot of potential there. We gave up a lot to get Mike Richards, but I felt like we knew what we were getting in Mike Richards and we knew what it meant for this team. You compare how, how, you and me and i can only speak for myself we've talked about this before that like when that trade went down there was this feeling of like oh we are going for it we are there and this makes a difference because mike richards means something mike richards came with a resume that meant your team is ready your team's about to win because that's what mike richards is i don't know what pierre Luc dubois comes with beyond this idea that like he's clearly a skilled guy He can clearly put a point. He's a big guy down the middle, but it just doesn't fit the mold at all of what I've kind of felt like they were trying to build with this team, this two-way responsible game. You can tell me that that's the type of game he wants to develop into, and he's looking forward to playing with Kopitar and to know and learning and doing all these things. That is fantastic. That's, That's exactly what he should be saying. But... The fact of the matter is, objectively, he's a career 45% face-off guy who does not kill penalties, okay? And he takes 80 to 100 penalty minutes a year and now is playing for a team where one of our biggest weaknesses was penalty killing. So you throw him in and Kevin Fiala on one line and I'm having <laughs> nightmares about how much penalty killing we're going to have to do, despite the fact that they might put up 85 points each. Yeah. And that's that's why it's hard. That's why it's hard for me to like come to grips with this because it's not just, oh, we love Gabe Pollardie and they got rid of Gabe Pollardie and now I'll never have to I'll never be able to cheer on Gabe Pollardie in a Kings jersey. That's part of it, I'm not going to lie, but like it's more just the sea change, the the overall just man, where is this all going? Like I feel like we're we're Starting from scratch as opposed to building on what we had from last season.
1: I think if they move Arvidsson too, man, that's just. Tell me, tell me how they're going to make this work. I don't know. I Tell don't me know. how else they're going to make but this work. I mean, I if you they, move
0: Carl Grunstrom, that's not enough money. 1.3 million.
1: Dude, they have to do whatever they can. They have to get creative. I don't care. You can't lose Arvidsson now. You can't lose Arvid because you are now without a shadow of of a doubt in my mind, if he's gone, you are a worse team than you were last year. That seals it for me. I can, you know, I can buy into your, you're better because of your center depth. I could, I could buy into that. I could, you know, I have follow was not going to be in the top nine.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Rasmus. Kupari. No, all, all, all those players, all those players I'm fine with. Honestly, Walker, so Adler, Velarde, I mean those. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's Velarde versus, Pierre Luc Dubois and yeah, last episode we said marginally better Pierre Luc Dubois than Gabe Velardi. So you c- I'll, I'll listen to the argument that the Kings are a little bit better now. I'll listen to that, but you lose Arvidsson, you are not better.
0: Yeah, you are worse. Yeah, you have no substitute for that guy. No, ready to go nowhere.
1: And don't don't Fagimo me on this, guys. Yeah. Like please, don't tell me Fogimo's going to step in and score 60 points.
0: like Dude, you you can't even tell me is going to step in and score 40 points. Kaliev was playing fourth-line winger minutes and was getting healthy scratched, and now all of a sudden we're talking about, like, we're going to immediately make him a second-line winger. I love it. That's what I want him to be. But the fact is that, like, has the coaching staff shown any, like, any trust in putting him in that is position? Is Todd
1: McClellan going to go into September and be like, well, Artie, like you're going top six, buddy. Yeah, and I know we had I'm a rough go last all these year. Things. Yeah. yeah, so that again, a lot of questions. Not saying it's it, it won't happen or it won't work, but I will I will stick to the fact that if you lose Victor Arvidsson, you're worse. So yeah, hopefully they keep Arvidsson, but they, that means they have to figure out some kind of shit here because it's
0: well. Let me let me let me read off this cap situation for you, and you tell me how you see them keeping Victor Arvidsson here, okay? So as of right now, they have four point five million and change in in cap space. That is not including not including um, Brant Clark or Jordan Spence. Both of those guys, Brant Clark makes eight eight hundred sixty, Jordan Spence makes eight twenty. So there goes a million six of your cap space. Okay, now you're down to. Uh shade under four mil under uh under three million. Then you got Bjornfoot, because you're gonna bring him up, you have to have a seventh defenseman, and he's the only left-handed shot you have. So my guess is that Spence and Clark will probably rotate out of that seventh of the six uh six seven spot. And Bjornfoot's an RFA. So say you sign him to 850 a mil, whatever it might be. Now you're down to two million. You still have Jared Anderson Dolan, who's an RFA. Okay? You still... Zach McEwen, whatever. They probably won't re-sign him. But even if you re-sign Anderson Dolan, then you got one, two, three... Now you're at 12 forwards exactly. You're at 12 forwards, seven defense, and you don't have a goaltender. And now you're left with a million and a half dollars to sign a goaltender. Good luck.
1: (laughs) Well, you still have to... You still
0: have to have extra forwards too. Well, no, that's the other thing. If you saw any of this press availability, all the stuff that, that Rob Blake was talking oh, about. Oh, yes, he
1: did mention that. He, he, was, he was making short, all these yeah. mentions
0: to like the Oilers and, and Colorado last year playing with like, was it 16, 17 guys or whatever it was? Like, just truly short benched situations because they could not navigate the cap right. in a way so they could bring guys up. So if everyone is healthy then you're talking about running 12 forwards and not a single one more seven defense and two goaltenders each making around a million and a half so that's a lot of heavy leaning and hoping that phoenix copley ends up being quite as good as he was last season in my mind
1: yeah it's i don't know i don't know i just i just know that they can't they absolutely cannot lose victor arvis i agree
0: because if you, if you lose him, yeah, then you're talking about like, we're going to start reaching for the figimos of the world to come up and and then be the guy, you know? There's no one else. Akil Thomas, he's, I mean, none of these guys. None of these guys can come up and sniff the air that Victor Arvidsson had put out. I mean, there's just nothing. There's just nothing. And, and, and that's the part that leaves me very, very confused as to what the plan is is supposed to be here. I feel like you're bending over backwards to bring in a good second-line center. And in the process, you have blown up your team and pinned yourself into a corner again now where you're talking about not running a full roster certain nights, which is just crazy town to me.
1: And that's kind of why I mentioned this team is probably better set up for 24-25. Than they are. And even then, it's, it's always going to be tight.
0: You still might lose Arvidsson then, because Arvidsson's a UFA. Yeah. Who's, who's stepping in the playoff for Arvidsson there? And then, yeah, okay, fine. You save a little money because Kopitar takes less. Matt Roy's a UFA. You're going to have to resign Matt Roy. The cap might get a little bit better, but you still don't have a long-term goalie. So you're going to find some goaltender off the UFA market or trade for someone. It's a lot of moving parts here, man. There's a lot of moving parts here that make it really, really weird and difficult for me to to feel like this team is an actual threat. Like when I look at this team, do I immediately go, okay, we got the Oilers beat now. Vegas doesn't stand a chance. Hell no.
1: No. Was, <laughs> I, no.
0: But that's why they're doing all this, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately what's driving all of this change is the frustration of not being able to get past the first round. And dollars to donuts, you're still going to be matched up against Edmonton or Vegas at some point, first round or second round, if you succeed. So tell me this team now, because all of a sudden we've got, you know, Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau. Does that automatically make you a better of course team? It's not automatic. Of course it no, does. But,
1: but I think the idea is that it sets you up to, to be a harder matchup for those teams. Okay. Now, this is where if they had somehow figured out a way to keep Velarde and get Dubois somehow. Yes. And of course the cap ramifications of that, I don't even get into it. So I'm just literally fantasy booking here, whatever. That would make me feel a lot different about what's going on. If they could have kept that top nine, but again, it's, it's fantasy stuff. So, okay. Anything negative. I'm really trying to get to the positives here. And it's really hard. Uh, it's just, it's, it's challenging, but, We're going to try. Let's get, let's flush it all out. What else? What else? (sighs) I I mean, that's,
0: that's, that's really it. That's really it. I was, I was, I was ready, man. I've honestly, there's been a lot of people talking about how Blake's a bad GM over the past years. I can't honestly tell you there's been a move that he has made that I have looked at and not been able to be like 75, 80% supportive of. This is the first move I can think of in his tenure. That I have just—it's lost me a little bit. I understand the 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 want, the desire to have three lines and three solid centers. I think you could have found someone as a free agent personally, and it wouldn't have necessarily cost you this. But I guess they feel like again that Quentin Byfield is not in a position to be a two C or one C. Anytime in the near future. And that's what they're gearing up for. You know, and the UFA options they had out there would have, would have been a two C or a three C guys like Ryan O'Reilly or JT Comfort. Those are the names that I threw out there. Right.
1: So we've said many times that Rob Blake would sell his children to be good at his job. Paraphrasing or whatever, maybe in different words. I don't think he would, but it took a lot of balls to trade. Jonathan Quick. Mm-hmm. It's taken a lot of balls to to make a lot of the moves he's made. I can't ignore the balls it takes to make this trade. Absolutely. It's it's a big swing, and and he he's swinging for the fences here with this guy. When they got Phil Deneau, our criticism, I think, at the time, was that they just signed a 3C to play 2C.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm just trying to be reasonable in my take
0: and self-critical say, i mean we yeah it,
1: but but you know it would be unfair now for me to not recognize the center depth at this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: when when pierre Luc dubois is all in he's an impact player and and my hope is that since this is the first time he's chosen his destination is the first time he had any kind of control of where he could play that we're gonna get a completely bought in, dialed in Pierre Luc Dubois, mm-hmm. and I believe it's certainly possible. He seems very excited, very happy, thrilled to be here. So these are I'm just giving kind of you know, I'm sure. devils advocating myself here. Totally <laughs> I mean, it feels fine. like Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau, Lazat. Which team in the West has better center depth?
0: I mean, across four lines yes none that i can think of off the top of my head but it remains with the on oilers
1: paper. completely on paper
0: yeah 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 again the oilers to me still remain with their two guys you know what i mean like it's it's just they they're such game breaking talents that they're still who you're trying to beat i think no matter what Due respect to Jack Eichel and Chandler Stevenson and William Carlson. I think that's that's the hurdle. That's been the wall that the Kings have come up against the last two years. And this is what they're hoping that they can do. Is that they can have more lines. And no matter how much you can double shift McDavid and Drysidle or whatever, you're, you're going to have an answer on on the next shift. That's that's the strategy that they're going for here. You probably did what I did. I'm guessing you did, where after I had calmed down a little bit, I, I took a time took thirty minutes of my day and I started watching Pierre Luc Dubois highlights. Oh, did I've you do been that, doing or... that for weeks, my friend. Okay. Okay. So I've watched
1: better... I watched some YouTube channels have full games. I've watched Oh really? Periods. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So tell me since you've watched Fuller games. I watched highlights um, from 21-22 and 22-23. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll, I'll tell you my my perception of him, and you can kind of help fill in the blanks a little bit since you watched full games and maybe you got a deeper perception. Okay. So, right now, it seems as though the idea, the rough, rough draft of it, is that him and Kevin Fiala will be on one line together. Yes. And I think that's going to work really well. Because when he was in Winnipeg, he was playing primarily with Kyle Connor, correct, who's a supremely talented winger with a knack for scoring goals, holding the puck, creating plays, which sounds a lot like Kevin Fiala in my mind. Yeah. More um, of a sniper, but yes, more of a sniper certainly, but in terms of puck control, oh yeah. You know, Ability to find room, set up your other guy. I think there's there's a lot of comparables there. Um the impression I got from Pierre Luc Dubois' game is lots of front of net presence. Not afraid at all to get right up in front there. Is he is he beating people up or getting nasty or, you know, doing you know, doing no, Matthew Kachuk I think, outlandish I think things his, down there? No.
1: <laughs> I think his "Quote unquote," snarl is vastly overrated.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think he's he can be mean. You know, he can. I feel I like he can it, be big. I think he realizes a lot he's a big guy <laughs> to fire him up to that point. Like yeah. he, it, it takes a bit. Everything I've listened to, everything I've seen, like the bigger the stage, the mm-hmm. more likely it is that he's going to fire up like that. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, pretty normal. I've you know, his effectiveness comes in waves or I should say peaks and valleys that mm-hmm. that's better so game one against Vegas
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was the best player on the ice from both teams it was't he he was everywhere he had the puck he was skating he was physical all that Game five against Vegas he was completely invisible mm-hmm. now so were the Jets in general they were checked out of that game mm-hmm. completely. But that's kind of that's kind of what I've gathered from him is like he can go invisible on you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a little bit. Um, but when he's on, he is a sight to behold. Like truly, like he is. I'm trying to figure out who I can compare him to. Like I want to say Getzlaf, but like, mm. Mm, like maybe Getzlaf is good is a good comparison. But even that's not exact. But something like that, like. Ryan Getzlaff was always on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if PLD can figure out a way to be always on, he's like a legit. Like he could be a first line center threat. Like he mm-hmm. he gets into that conversation of like, okay, I can get seventy five points. It's not even about the points though with him, right? Like it's just, just be in, be all in, be bought in, and you and right. Um, he's a great passer. Like very good passer underrated he he sets him up real nice he has good vision so he's not just like this north south i mean he plays a north south game but he's there's more to there's more dimension to his game than like putting his shoulder down and taking it to the net yes i think Valardi has a better shot than him but he has a good shot like he can score he doesn't have to be 2 feet away from the net to score all the time he can score from the inside the circle right mm-hmm. on the
0: power play although interestingly He does score a lot from like right in front of the goal mouth. Yeah. He's very good. He's very good with his body position and his stick position. There's a lot of deflection goals. Yes. A lot of like being able to box people out without necessarily like cross-checking them. You know what I mean? Like it's the body control is definitely there. He's a big dude who knows he's a big guy and knows how to free up his blade to be able to tip a puck or tap in a rebound. Which is valuable. That's that's a that's a skill. That's one hundred percent a skill. You know, not every big guy can do that. Um, I would argue that Kopitar is not great like that. I mean, they have him playing in front of the net these days, but that's not really how I imagine Ajay Kopitar scoring a lot of goals. No, it's no. not a lot of like net front, box out kind of goals. Right. So the fact that Dubois likes that adds a little dimension to the centers, I would say, because now you've got two different centers or you have to play, you have to defend differently, in my opinion.
1: Right, right. Look, a lot of his points come on the power play. His five yeah. on five scoring isn't great. Yeah. You look at his numbers, it's, it's all there. So that's got to improve. Um, on the power play, he's, he's a handful. Clearly, a lot of his, the way Winnipeg was set up, he was always in front of the net on the power play or, or around the net on the power play. So, Like you mentioned, a lot of deflections, a lot of rebounds, just hard to handle Mm -hmm. in that area specifically. So I assume a lot of his goals will still come from there. And look, the power play kind of sets up for that kind of success anyway, right? If you have a big guy who's hard to control in front of the net, the power play is where that guy is going to shine the most. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because they'll have an extra two, three feet, extra two, three seconds, whatever, to make a play or to get to a puck or to, you know, find a rebound um, just because you're outnumbering the other team. Yeah. I mean, he's a skilled guy, man. He's a skilled guy who is very difficult to play against when he's on. Yeah. He, if the Kings unleash him on the four check, he's going to be a menace. He creates space for his wingers because he is, such an attention-grabbing player, mm-hmm. right? Like if he's if he's in the zone and he's going to the net, you have to pay attention to him. You can't just someone has to mark him immediately, which in theory should open up your wingers a little bit more. That's what he did for Kyle Connor. Really, I yeah. mean, he he opened up a lot of room for him to work. Kyle Connor is not a big guy; he needs his time and space. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois created a lot of that for him. Not to mention, he set him up quite a bit. Yeah. For really good looks, really. Well, sounds,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't mean mean to give the impression that Pierre Luc Dubois played well because he was playing with Kyle Connor. I think they benefited from one another. Sure, I didn't get significantly. That. Yeah. I didn't get that. Um, I think the the real question here, and I think this is what the Kings are banking on, is his potential. Is that there? There's more to this. That there's more to this guy.
1: And by the Not way, just, everyone believes that across the league. I assure you, analysts, other GMs all believe to a man that there is more to him. Right. And, and one of my fears and going back, I don't want to go negative again, but is one of my fears is like, is this a guy who's always going to leave you wanting more because yeah. you see the package yes. and you see what it could be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the real challenge. And that's the real question of. How much of what he's left on the table so far has been because youth and not necessarily being where he's wanted to be or the environment just isn't right. Is that the aspect of it and is now that going to change because he had some choices to where he went. He chose to sign this deal. He seems happy to be here. The setup is a little bit different, maybe than certainly different than Columbus, and different in some ways than Winnipeg. Although Winnipeg, I I know you've you they've always kind of been a little you know your darling team somehow in the background because they've had such great offensive players. Um, that's that's really what it comes down to. Can he be consistent? Can he access that other? The stuff that he's leaving on the table. Can he develop his two-way game? He talked a lot about wanting to progress his two-way game and getting better at face-offs and being a more complete center because I think those things are crucial. If you can't win face-offs and you're not killing penalties, what makes you a center? Honestly, because you're... I mean, you. yes, you skate down the middle of the ice and you position a certain way, sure. But like being a center means being able to do those things, in my opinion. So I, that's... I think it's just more likely that Gabe Velarde was going to take further steps in the development that he was already showing, more so than Pierre-Luc Dubois was about to evolve his game and start becoming those things. That being said, Kevin Fiala was a 40-point guy, 40, 50-point guy in Nashville until he went to Minnesota and became a 70, 80-point star winger. So it's not to say it can't happen past the age of 24, 25, but it requires buy-in on the, on the part of the player and the coaching staff and and how they're going to play the game with this guy.
1: Yeah, in theory I love the the thought of the DeNo line being quote-unquote the third line. Of course, you know, I we get it like absolutely. I mean, that sounds terrific. Kevin Fiala should be playing 20 minutes a game. Right. You pair him up with a center like this, and that gives you the opportunity to do that. What does this mean for Arthur Kaliev? Well, if he is the guy on that line, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You got two guys, two guys who could pass very well, two guys who will create time and space for you just by virtue of how much attention they're going to draw. My only issue is, or my only concern is, the defensive aspect of that line. Now, that's a lot of that is going to have to go on Pierre-Luc Dubois right mm-hmm. away. So you, we're talking about developing and learning these things. It's got to happen very fast if that's if those are your line mates. Arthur Kelly has struggled understanding or buying into the structure of the Kings or executing in the structure of the Kings, specifically on the defensive side of the game. Kevin Fiala never been confused for a Selke <laughs> Trophy winner. Never will be. That's not why you brought him here anyway. So there's a lot of heavy lifting on a guy who like we mentioned is still learning how to be that player. So you're going to have to you're going to have to keep him away from McDavid, Drysdale, Stone, whatever. You're going to have to keep him away from those guys. Eichel.
0: I'm I'm wondering now whether there's some world where that's not the line.
1: I mean, I've thought about it many times,
0: but I just I, I i saw them keep going back to the Arvidsson deneau more line so many times right over last season that I have a tough time believing that it's it's going to be anything but that combination of players.
1: Well, I mean, what else can you? I mean, what are the options? You could. Put I mean, more, that's what I'm saying. yeah. put more I, on I his left the, side. Right. Arvidsson's not going to help you. Right. in that department so oh, you're right. going to that's basically more yeah
0: yeah you put Trevor Moore up there and then you then you're hoping that Arvidsson, Dano, and and uh kaliev works which is which is again not an easy thing to ask for I mean that's yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of chemistry changes there you know there's a reason they kept going back to that line and then at that point your bottom is running Grunstrom, and and Anderson Dolan and if you find a way to incorporate Figimo in there without blowing up your cap number, then I guess you do that because otherwise, I think there's a very I wouldn't say a high probability, but there's a possibility that you lose him on waivers, I suppose. It's lots of stuff, man. yeah, lots I mean,
1: of... incomplete,
0: yeah, incomplete That's,
1: it's it's it's. The only real realistic answer. You could be happy. You have every right to be. You could be upset. You have every right to be. But the fact is it's incomplete. And until all these m- moves are made and all these pieces are in place, hard for us to make any kind of prediction or to really buy in emotionally either way. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's difficult right now. So we'll we'll wait and see. That's what we do. And listen, from this point on, I want nothing but the best for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I want him to reach all the potential that everyone says he has. I want him to become a 75, 80-point center. I want his $8.5 million contract in three years to look like a bargain. We'll miss you, Gabe. Of course. I already do. You know Deeply. that.
0: Deeply. Don't watching so many Winnipeg highlights. This season. We'll be You're for now.
1: you. I mean, if I... As if I needed one more reason to like Winnipeg. There, you, there go. you go. But you know what? Doesn't doesn't really matter to me what he does anymore. I'll be happy if he if he succeeds. I'll be a little bummed out for him if he's sad. But really, what matters to me is is the Los Angeles Kings. And from now on, we are a Brand Clark podcast.
0: <laughs> the new the new love of our lives.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna gush. I'm going to gush for a day. I've been, we've been gushing. Yeah. But when Dursey got traded, of course I was after the questions and stuff. My first thought was Brand Clark's going to make this team and it made me happy. And I'll <laughs> always good, have that.
0: It's a good feeling.
1: That's what I'm looking forward to, man. More than Great. anything is watching that kid play, play in the NHL and yeah. become better. So.
0: Yeah. I think, I think he's going to have every opportunity in the world. And whoever the, the Kings decide is going to be their goaltender of the future is also going to have every opportunity in the world because there is literally no one in front of them. Yep. You, I mean, if you're a young goaltending prospect and somehow you end up in the Kings pipeline, the world is your oyster, my friend. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. All you got to do is beat out Eric Portillo.
0: That's right. That is your competition, because all indications are now that the Kings are not going to re-sign Matt Villalta.
1: Oh, yeah. He's gone.
0: Yeah. David Rennick, not an option. So, and like we talked about now, so this we're recording this after the first round of the draft. Yes. Kings obviously don't have a, a pick in the first round. Hopefully that's not going to become a trend. <laughs> right. But it's 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 starting to look like one because now this is the second year in a row they don't have a first round pick, um, and the next season they don't have a second or a third round pick. So if they get to their first rounder, then man, they're I mean they might as well just zoom in to to the draft. It ain't even worth going in there.
1: That would be man. Here's the thing: you could sell off draft picks if you're in a certain place. Like the Mm -hmm. Kings sold Dean Lombardi sold off a ton of firsts, but the Kings the Kings were in cup contention and not in cup contention, like in theory or on paper, they were like sniffing the damn thing at that point. It's tough to lose that many firsts and seconds when you haven't been out of the first round Mm -hmm. in a decade. It's tough. Yeah.
0: And, and also when your other first round picks have not really hit the way that they're supposed to, quite frankly, you know, you've, again, we've talked about this since, since 2014, the only real star player that the Kings have since 2014 is Adrian Kempe that they have developed and drafted. And he's just now like kind of approaching that threshold. He's now a star. Yeah. 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 So that's a problem. That's a problem for various reasons. You know, you've, you've got a, you had a second overall pick, you had a fifth overall pick and Jury's still out on Quentin Byfield. Alex Turcott, man, poor dude just can't get healthy. It's, you know, it sucks. But for a franchise, if you miss on two top five picks, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Quentin Byfield's a miss. I'm just saying that if you miss on two top five picks, that is, that is awful that that sets you back by like a decade truly so that's that's kind of the problem that they find themselves in and and now they find themselves in an issue where they've really neglected their goaltending they've kind of as an organization cohesively agreed not to draft goaltenders really all that often and I think up until a couple seasons ago, they felt pretty comfortable with the idea of Cal Peterson being their guy of the future. But now that that's imploded, there's no backup plan. There's there's not even a primary plan. Phoenix Copley fell into their lap. Imagine if he sucked. I mean, where would where would they be right now without Phoenix Copley? Which is which a crazy statement to make. Yeah, we well, you're making the, that statement since but December, it's the, but it's yep. the truth. Because whoever the next goaltender they sign is going to be it's not going to be a true starter like you're you're not going to get a true nhl starter for the amount of money that you're probably going to throw out there you're looking at someone who's going to be able to split time most likely with copley again and it's looking less and less like that's going to be corpus um so i don't know i don't know what the plan is there um And I don't know if they're going to draft a goaltender. All indications are that the 54th pick will not be used on a goaltender. I would be shocked if a goaltender was not taken at some point tomorrow. But...
1: Maybe there's a goaltender taken by the time you're listening to this.
0: Maybe. Maybe, man. And then that goaltender will have every opportunity in the world to be the LA Kings starter because there is literally not a lot ahead of him.
1: Right. Right. All right. How do you feel now? Better? Was this cathartic? Did we
0: it's 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 it'll get there. It'll get there. Every every time I talk about it, I'm a little you know, it's what's done is done. Obviously, there's no taking it back. And like you said, we want him to succeed. I'll take no pleasure in the idea of Pierre Luc Dubois not being worth every single one of his eight point five million dollars for the next eight years.
1: Yep. And the last time we were this unhappy about something, it was the Philip DeNoe signing. So,
0: yep. And we ate that hope crow.
1: Springs eternal.
0: That's right. That's right. Anything else you want to bring up? Anything else that's happened over the last week, NHL Not wise really. or whatever? I mean,
1: there's been tr- trades. There's been a couple of things here and there. But, I mean, the Kings have made the biggest move by far. Yeah, they really have. You mentioned Riley Smith. I mean, cap casualty. Thanks for the cup.
0: Yep. It's it's shocking, man. Vegas's team is pretty set for next year. They re-signed Barbashev. They they seem okay. They seem just fine. I'm kind of surprised that Anaheim took Leo Carlson today.
1: A little bit. I don't. My. I, I mean, the reaction I think was an overreaction by people. Like, I, I understand that many people felt Fantilli was like a slam dunk number two, but I mean, I. There have been murmur or whispers that the Ducks were looking at Leo Carlson, mm-hmm. so I, I, I wasn't surprised. Good for Yarmol. We're we're also a Yarmol podcast. Apparently. That's right. That's right. We're a secret we like Yarmol Yarmo Kekalainen. Kekalainen. Yeah, we respect him. We like him. Hopefully, yeah. he stays there.
0: Yeah, we yeah. we've got these weird fandoms, guys. I can't I can't explain to you how they've developed. Mostly, Yarmo's developed from. A behind-the-scenes St. Louis Blues draft special from man, how long ago is that? That's now? the like, David
1: Perron draft. So I don't. Yeah,
0: Ian Cole. It was Ian taken Cole in and that David draft. David Perron, in right? The first round, yeah. Right. So something about that draft special and seeing Yarmo and talk. We 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 just loved who he was as a person, and we just want to see him succeed and. We have a soft spot in our hearts for the blue jackets to just not be a dumpster fire because there's good people running that organization I feel like right
1: and they're trying man
0: they, they try- are man they really That's the are thing.
1: they've they've made decent moves like they've, they're trying they just can't retain players so yeah all right well all right this was what do episode 103
0: 103 man one another this is gonna be so bad it's gonna be tough it's gonna to be Once tough. Once again, I, I'm gonna nail I can, my
1: wheelhouse. I that's okay.
0: Annoyed. That's okay. There's there's a bunch of recent ones that I know. You know, right up your alley. Hold on, let me pull this up here so I can tell you exactly how many they are. Can we can we get a little kudos to us by the way for like doing this? What was it, a week and a half or a week in between that's episodes?
1: It's A quick one. So it's, it's almost a week. Yeah. It
0: needed to happen. It needed to happen. Hey,
1: just... we can't be. We can't be. The guys who don't talk about one of the biggest trades in a long time for the right, Kings, so
0: right, especially one that involved a guy that we've been spending a year worshiping I, in my know.
1: in my delusional mind. Everyone's waiting for us to weigh in on this trade, so
0: I think so. You're welcome. And now <laughs> yeah. th- th- we invite you to hear Cotto struggle <laughs> with the twenty two players who have worn the number three <laughs> for the LA the Kings.
1: All right, here we go. Let's, let's go with uh matt roy you don't have to tell me i know that's right i know it's right okay jack johnson
0: yes tom laidlaw wow you just skipped okay cool
1: <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just it's coming to me dennis sigurov yes um how big of a skip was that was a big oh skip. man
0: you've you've gotten From- you went from like 87 to 95. Aaron Miller, Aaron okay, Miller, there you go.
1: Aaron Miller. That's a got to get that one.
0: Now you're plugging in some holes in between there.
1: Yes. How many am I missing from like the the good years? I mean, the, the, uh, the years I'll know.
0: Not the not the shit years. <laughs> yeah. Um you're missing two between 2015 and
1: 2020.
0: Okay. Post Jack Johnson, pre Matt Roy.
1: Gotcha. They gotta be defensemen.
0: 100 <laughs> percent. It's, it's a big defenseman number. Okay. Let me
1: let me let me throw this. Was did Gary Galley wear number three with the Kings? He did.
0: From okay. 19- good. Yes.
1: Oh yes, because he came
0: back too. Yes.
1: Gotcha. What are the years on Galley?
0: Uh, it says eighty-five to two thousand, but that's obviously not no like-
1: because they traded him. Yes. They traded him
0: he played from 84 85 to 86 87 then Washington Boston Philly Philly Buffalo and then back again from 97 98 to 99-2000. okay so you had a little bit of your wheelhouse in there touch of your wheelhouse
1: touch of my wheelhouse
0: all right so I'll give you a couple hints for the cool. recent ones because I know you know them they're just not coming to you right now yeah. so one of these so one of these guys was left us but we didn't want him to so to speak and one of these guys left us because we wanted him to
1: (laughs) (laughs) great we as in me and you or just
0: we as in the royal we being the kings gotcha and I know people get annoyed when when you know you say we and I'm talking about the kings but hey this is this that's how my brain works okay if I've got a freaking podcast it's a we that's what we're doing here
1: (laughs) cool I don't think it's Sakura.
0: No, no, it wasn't. Okay. All um, right. If I if I tell you this next hint, you're gonna know right away.
1: Cool. Give it to me. <laughs> let's let's get, move this along here.
0: All right. Uh, one of them was bought out.
1: Oh, Dion. Yeah, yeah. Dion. Sure, That's sure.
0: one of them. And the other Dion one enough. was. And the other one was taken from us.
1: Raiden McNabb.
0: There it is.
1: Yeah. That was- should have gotten those. Yeah, um, yeah, the okay. Fanoff era was brief, so I'm not going to beat myself. Yeah, don't McNab. that. So, yeah. McNabb, Fanoff, yes, two.
0: All right. So, now we plugged go. in the holes So, so between... now we're
1: playing the... Yes. The sh-
0: you, now we're going so to the shit times. Because I went Laidlaw. Yeah, you skipped one between Laidlaw and Sigurroff.
1: Oh, did I? Oof. Is it, is it a name you recognize?
0: Uh, I mean, again, it's one of these names... <laughs> It's it's just so generic that I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy um, never played full seasons, but had a smattering of games across three seasons with the Kings. Okay.
1: That's going to be tough to get.
0: Yeah. 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 It's fine. Brent Thompson.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, my cousin and I went to the forum in those years. And oh, hold on. Brent you have a
0: Brent Thompson story?
1: Yes. And um, good Lord. And we, for some reason, he was in like the bleach. Like, he was in the in the forum, like in the seats, just sitting or was around there. I take this back. I know where he was. He was, remember the forum press area? It was uh-huh. in the yes. crowd, yes. right? Yes, yes. And you had acts like you could yes. literally walk up that's, to that.
0: That's how I met Dave Taylor. The first time I ever met Dave cool. Taylor. Cool,
1: that's how me and my cousin met Brent Thompson, and he signed a puck for us.
0: Oh, there you go. So, All right, I'm going to throw this out there because I can't remember if you said that, if you said this name. Okay. However... Uh, Jan Vopat.
1: Oh, he, dude, I was gonna say one of the Vopats. <laughs> <You can't, like, laughs> it came like head.
0: One of the Vopats. Yeah, yeah. He wore three Jan and Roman. then he switched to 33. Yeah. And I believe the, the plural of Vopat is Vopai, by oh, the way. Good. Thank you yeah. for one of, the, one of the Vopai. Gotcha. All right. So you said Leila and then Gary. Yeah, so now we're
1: going into purple and gold, and that's where <laughs> I'm Yeah. There. Uh,
0: Ken Hammond was in there at 87, okay. by the way. Um, yeah. Now these are, there's a couple of names here I, I do recognize, but it's, it's tough, man. There's a lot of like one year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have to get into it, do we?
0: I'll just kind of go through it now. And fire like, them off. Any, okay. Yeah, so, off. Uh, Mark Chorney, mm-hmm. Peter Hellander in 1983, Ian Turnbull, apparently in 1982, Turnbull, okay. War 3, uh, Al Sims in 82, uh, Doug Howard, 79 to 81 larry brown from 73 to 78 um again i don't know i can look and see if they changed jersey numbers and stuff uh, but we're getting don't. into that yeah again this is the sub jersey era remember yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um right. larry hillman 72 doug Berry also in 72 larry Cahan in 70 71 uh pool pool can't believe that's <laughs> a name but it is well done Thank you.
1: you. You didn't even struggle with it. Just no, I just I just, I just
0: I just just I, I looked at it and it Ooh, became pale. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> it's probably
0: because I've been saying Pierre Luc Dubois so many times this <laughs> yeah. last week. I've gone all parlez-vous francais on this. Uh and then Dave Amadio. Not sure if any relation to Mike Amadio.
1: Mm.
0: Probably not. But uh 68-69. And then uh Galley was eighty five two thousand, Ken Hammond 87, Tom Laidlaw 87 to 90. Brent Thompson, 93, 94. Dennis sigurov 95, 96. Jan Vopat, 96. Uh, Aaron Miller, 2001 to 2007. Longest tenured, number three for the for the LA Kings, okay. as far as I can tell. Not including Gary Galley's uh, multiple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack two Johnson, two, yeah 2008 to 2012. Braden McNabb, 2015, 17. Dion, 18, 19. And then Matt Roy, current, 2020 all right so there it is i don't know man this is i don't you could you could make the case that it could end up being the matt roy episode but can i put a a a strong vote in for aaron miller
1: you can but i would like to counter okay with with jack johnson because
0: okay okay this is this is good
1: because of well actually yours is is going to be valid it's, with the trade but that's
0: that's that's exactly my th- okay, it, it, cool. was, Go it was it was a it was an era Aaron Miller coming in with Adam Deadmarsh was the beginning of a true era it was it it led to the Kings getting into the second round for the first time since the cup uh final tour of 90, of 93 the
1: tour through Canada yes
0: that's right. Um, and so to me, Aaron Miller was like a staple of my young upbringing as a Kings fan. Like him and Matty Nordstrom were stalwart Kings players. So that's that's where I would say, and not for nothing, six years, yeah, longest no. tenured number three. You
1: you sold it. You're you're good. I
0: I'm like buying. your Jack Johnson point though. Because just, of what
1: it's more of that to me, that's more of like we really like this young player, but we're, now we're getting this in theory again, in theory, better player who has been requested a trade <laughs> from, right. from the Columbus Blue Jackets, right?
0: At right. least once, so right,
1: I think Aaron Miller's just fine,
0: okay? All right, and if Aaron wants the if anyone wants to stage a write-in candidacy for Jan Vopat, we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll hey, be waiting for you. Or pupui, pupu or That's pupu <laughs> p- p- <laughs> <laughs> fun to say, Francisco. You sh- wait, it's French. You sure it's not
1: I, it's not pupui <laughs> <Like Robbert's? laughs>
0: That's a, that's an excellent. You know what? It's it's Danish. He's from Denmark.
1: Okay, great. So
0: <laughs> in my now I don't know how. Apologies
1: to, pronounce it. to the pupui family. For- <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> I you know what I put someone uh, someone who's Danish please correct me as to how to pr- how to pronounce that
1: Kingstorian's yelling at us right now
0: yeah seriously <laughs> you seriously idiot. all right he's gonna send us a phonetic tweet it's gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah. all right I think probably good maybe maybe we'll we'll try to check back in in a couple weeks unless again something enormous goes down which apparently this is this is the way we do things now um thank you again all the twitter interaction, all the love thank you for being there with us as we as we laughed and cried and yelled on twitter we appreciate all of it uh, keep the reviews coming like subscribe find us anywhere you can listen to a podcast appreciate all the followers uh, drop us a line if there's any questions and we'll see you in two weeks go kings go you've been listening to the bannerman an la king's podcast